I think a lot of people's assessment in the beginning was that this is going to be a slow process. This is not going to go that fast. Of course, the dollar is so dominant. But lately, the conversation has been uh, things are really speeding up with BRICS. Uh, and I'm just wondering what your assessment of it is and, and how it fits into this picture. Yes, I mean, the war in Ukraine historically will probably be considered a tremendous mistake, not because of the details of the war, but for the reason you just cited, that it sped up a transformation of the world economy that would have taken longer. And the irony is that that's not in the interests of the people who decided to have the war in Ukraine, uh, or at least decided it from the Western side. I think the best way I can summarize it is this. Um, the year 2020, besides being a global capitalist crash and the commencement, at least in the West, of the pandemic, was also a very important year not noticed economically. In that year, if you look at the GDP, the total output of goods and services, of what are called the G7, that's the United States, its European, major European allies, Canada, and Japan. That's the G7. Their total output of goods and services was the same as that of the BRICS, which is China and its allies, South Africa, Brazil, India, and Russia. Now we are three years later, 2023. The percentage of the world output accounted for by the G7 now, about 29%. The percentage of the world's output accounted for by the BRICS, 33%. It's over. I don't want to over-dramatize it, but there is no nice way to say it. The contest is over. You know, and, and, and now let me summarize in the first half of, the, of this year, 2023. Economic growth in Europe, virtually zero. Germany's in recession, and the other countries are barely growing. Here in the United States, between 1% and 2%. In China, between 5 and 6%. It's been this way over and over. It's over. The Chinese have figured out how to manage a mixed economy of private capitalism and state enterprises, employers that are private or state officials, masses of workers managed and supervised by a powerful communist party and a state apparatus. It's not the Soviet Union where everything was state. It's not the United States or Britain where most things are private. It is really a bizarre, unique hybrid, what they like to call uh, socialism with Chinese characteristics. Okay, they've demonstrated that they're capable of doing something that nobody else has ever done, not that fast, not that far, and not from such a level of poverty and backwardness before. And all I can say is, given what the past 30 years has shown, and given the numbers I just summarized for you, there's no end of this in sight. Nothing Mr. Trump did with trade war, tariff war, makes any difference. Nothing Mr. Biden has done is making any difference in this underlying economic process. And you can't forever pretend that that's not going on and doesn't have immense consequences. 
And that's, I think, the dilemma that we face. Hmm. I'm wondering if you think the, you know, I, I've been noticing the U.S.'s behavior in particular uh, of late, the last month or two months. There's been a lot of attempts to maybe address the, the BRICS block as maybe individual entities and try to split them from each other. For example, India, uh, Modi was in India. There was almost like a, as, as much of a red carpet treatment as a leader will get from the United States, uh, I would say he essentially got it. He got media coverage and it was hyped up as a, as a huge deal. And then also South Africa uh, now has been uh, facing some pressure, especially given its position um, as part of the Rome statute and the ICC and Putin potentially coming to South Africa. And maybe there are people in the ears of South African officials. You have to arrest Putin if he ends up in South Africa. Do you think any of this will work? Because it seems like the U.S. is and, and whoever it's dragging along with it in Europe is trying to use politics to arrest the BRICS development. And you said it best, I think, that there is this more emphasis on state power. Uh, it's a mix China is maybe the best example of it, but it seems like BRICS, you said in your article about it too, is that there is this emphasis on more state control, maybe more state governance of the economy, just given what we've seen from the West over the last several decades. But anyway, I'll let you take it from there. In the global South, you need the state because economic development in a global capitalist system dominated by the private capitalists of the West means if you don't use your state, your chances of doing much. So in all third world, in all African, Asian, the state is a very powerful force, and they're not going to be persuaded to not do it because it's, a, for them, a very thin disguise about for keeping them down. And the China example is just more proof of what you can do if you have a powerful state. But equally on the West now, they can't compete anymore. They have, you know, to compete with China, they're becoming more and more like China. There's very little way out for them, given what we see. But that reminds us and answers, I think, your question, that the underlying realities are much more powerful shapers of what we're going to see than these superficial efforts. So will the United States try with money, with inducements, with commerce, with politics, to slow this process down? Absolutely. Will they try to split the BRICS apart? Absolutely. If you watched over the last week, the shifting of Erdogan in Turkey, very mm, strong yes. example. Modi in Italy, uh, in India, of course. Uh, and there are others, and they will try. And sometimes they will succeed. But the other side is doing it too. And the other side has more resources. African countries have gone to China to build a railroad or to build a harbor because they got a better deal than they got from a Belgian company or a Japanese. It isn't a great ideological issue. It's very practical. And that practical dichotomy, in the end, very, very powerful. How long it will take, how successful American blandishments may prove to be, nobody can know that. That depends on too, too many variables. But I don't think it will be strong enough to overwhelm. Just like, you know, to, to reverse it, you had very powerful anti-colonialist, anti-imperialist movements come out of the end of World War II. 
the Bandung Conference, the revolutions in places like China, the, the, the overthrow of the British Empire in India. You had, a, a with the help of the Soviet Union at the time, an enormous, but it, it had a problem. It didn't have the resources. It had the politics. It had the people. It had the issue. But it didn't have the mass of resources. And in that conjuncture, the mass of resources in the hands of the United States and Western Europe overwhelmed the political power. And they used it to destroy one after another of those. And I think now you have the, the fundamental difference is that the economic power is on the other side and is growing faster so that that dominance, that difference will become more pronounced with each pair, as it did. And that's why I gave you the numbers from 2020 to 2023, just so you see that the direction is to make that imbalance worse and worse for the United States. And if you want to know my fear, I don't mean to leave you with a negative. But, you know, the United States' economic dominance is over. Uh, its political dominance is going quickly with it. It still has a military dominance, and it's very dangerous if you're trying to hold on and you only have one tool left. You're tempted to use that tool, and that, of course, then the conversation is over. So. Mm. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, I want to squeeze one last thing out of you, <laughs> Professor yeah. Wolf, is uh, – how do you feel like all of this is going to influence, given the direction of U.S. economics, politics, Western, the situation those internally? How do you feel like this development with, uh, multi, we, you know, multi, I guess we could fit under the umbrella of multipolarity, BRICS, the rise of China, and especially Russia-China's relationship, those developments, how do you see that influencing in the coming months and years to come, uh, the politics inside of the declining U.S. and Western empire? Months. I, I wouldn't dare imagine in months. <laughs> uh, I don't much believe in prediction, but let me tell you what I see. I see a deteriorating position of U.S. capitalism and its empire, domestically and internationally. And I see that the rich and the powerful are doing in this country what rich and powerful elements of society have done in other empires that decline. They try to hold on. They try to not go down with the system. In that process, they offload the costs of decline onto those below them in the social ladder. And so what are we seeing in America? arguments to take away social security, you know, refusal to relieve student debt, the Supreme Court, uh, cutbacks in the roles of Medicaid going on across the country. Now, Jesus, you know, what? You keep squeezing and squeezing. So here comes my sense. Trump talks a big line, but didn't do anything for the decline of the working class. And Mr. Biden isn't doing anything either. So I think what we're going to see is whichever one of them wins, uh, or people like them, it doesn't matter, it's not them, the failure of what we might call the political center or the political right to do anything about the underlying problem. They can't control China. 
They can't control the world. They can't control via domestic capitalist class, which owns them. So they're not going to do anything. So the, the mass of the people's situation will continue to deteriorate. If it isn't a crash, if it isn't a pandemic, if it isn't an inflation, if it isn't rising interest rates, there will be other mechanisms that do it just as well. And therefore, and here comes why I'm no pessimist, if the center can't help you and the right can't help you, there's only one place left to go for the population, and that is to the left. And I know that people think perhaps I'm dreaming, and perhaps I am. But that's actually where I see, because the left is willing, at least hypothetically and in general, to go after where the wealth is and where the power is. Will they mobilize around that? Will they have the strength to force it through over the resistance? Those, I think, are the real questions that we will be fighting about in the years ahead. But we'll be fighting in a different America because the population's mentality will be shifting leftward. Mm -hmm. And in case you think this is pure fantasy, what I'm telling you is what happened in the 1930s. We had a collapse of capitalism, and the people could see in the first two or three years, you know, when the, the Republicans were in power, when 1929 hit, Roosevelt didn't get in until the election of 32. So you had three years, roughly, of a declining failure, failure, failure. In comes a centrist Democrat, Roosevelt, and he can't do anything either. And the left comes to him because it's beginning to mobilize and says, either we're going to mobilize without you or we'll mobilize around you. Your call, Franklin. And Franklin was smart enough to say, I'll go with you. And he did. And suddenly the inequality of income in America collapsed and the inequality of wealth went with it. And we did things we've never done before. And we mobilized millions of people uh, around a coalition of unions, communists, and socialists. All those things that I'm imagining coming, they've already happened here under comparable declines of the system. Nobody expected a Great Depression. Nobody expected year after year of declining standard of living, of declining job opportunities. You're, you're forcing the American people through that now, and you're demonstrating that the MAGA Republicans and the Biden Democrats are equally incapable of changing anything. Thank you for tuning in to my latest video. I appreciate all of your support. This channel, however, needs your help. I am seeking to make this channel more sustainable in the long term and upgrade necessary equipment to ensure that this work continues onward and makes progress to give you all of the geopolitical analysis that you all deserve. For that reason, I'm asking you to become a member of my Patreon community at patreon.com slash dannyhaifong. You can find that link in the video description or in the pinned comment below. For whatever amount you choose to give, just know you are supporting independent media that you can't find anywhere else. Thank you so much, and I look forward to the next video.